In healthcare, there are many transformative leaders. The most remarkable leaders don't just dare greatly to drive improvements, they also care greatly. They bring compassion and humanity to the work of leading transformation. This is their podcast. In today's episode, I talk with Dr. Aram Alexanian, Physician Executive for Provider Development and Support at Novant Health. In that role, Dr. Alexanian and his team work with fellow providers to help them get the most out of critical technologies, such as the electronic health record and virtual visit platforms. He supports their practice efficiency and helps them integrate technology into workflows that keep connections and care for patients and families at the center. He is also a practicing family medicine doctor. In this episode, Dr. Alexanian and I talk about the rapid adoption of virtual care during the COVID-19 pandemic from the provider's perspective. We look at the challenges and benefits of adopting new technologies and adapting to the circumstances of the pandemic. And he shares how support from fellow physicians paves the way to a practice approach that supports professional fulfillment. Dr. Alexanian is a leader who cares greatly. Welcome, Dr. Alexanian. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, the privilege is mine. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to have you. So telehealth exploded during the pandemic, and you and your team provide support to frontline providers to help them manage the technology and their practice flow. How would you characterize how frontline team members experienced the rapid expansion of telehealth? Holy smokes, Liz. I tell you, this was just a complete transformation I think we fast-forwarded the technology in health five to ten years in a matter of weeks, if not months. Um, I'd like to start with some statistics about our organization just to kind of explain the magnitude of what what transpired. Please. So we actually offered our first video visit in 2013. So telehealth was not a new concept to us. So we had a foundation. Actually, I recall giving a talk in at MGMA in Chicago about patient engagement and how do we improve that, improve upon that back in 2017. Um, so patient engagement, telehealth, uh, e-visits, all of that is, was never new to us. However, it was not adopted for many reasons. One, we didn't have a pandemic. Two, payers weren't paying. Right. So it was just a, it, it was just a lot of things, but nevertheless, so Pre-COVID, we averaged about 250 video visits or e-visits per week, okay? Mm -hmm. 12 months prior to COVID, we had fewer than 1,000 video visits completed. However, obviously, then came COVID, they came payer changes. Um, throughout the uh, through end of August, we completed over 500,000 virtual visits. Wow. Big number. Uh, that's video visits, uh, title care visits, which I'll talk about in the, if I get a chance, e-visits and uh, telephone encounters. Our peak was in March when we, were com when we completed about 8,000 video visits or e-visits in one per day. Wow. 8,000. Um, now we're back to, you know, an average 2,000 video visits per day. Um, uh, through this process, you can imagine the magnitude of this. Yeah, that's a uh, so on the providers, huge. And of course, it's like deer in headlights. It's like yeah. a necessary, you've got to do this. Uh, so to put it in perspective, about 1,600 team members and about 450 providers were trained in one week's time. 
currently 2,500 providers have been trained. So this is providers. We cannot forget the patients. Right. So the patients, this is a whole new world for them. You know, for some, this is easy. This is just like Facebook or whatever they do uh, on social media or whatever it is. I'm getting clearly showing my age here. <laughs> um, but, but for some, it was a huge, scary ordeal. So, um, so we have about 1 million MyChart users. Uh, and since March, uh, we've had about an increase of 170,000 MyChart users. So MyChart is our portal, and that's the, the venue by which they access telehealth. Um, we had to create all these, and we were learning as we, what's the saying? You build the plane as it flies. Right. So we were doing a lot of that. Um, so clinics were designing ways to educate their patients prior to the visit so that when the, the provider comes on board, they weren't having to be IT uh, experts from MIT to figure out how Zoom actually works and how do you mute, how do you unmute, and then you've got someone licking the camera. You know, who <laughs> knows what's going on, right? And I use that from a, a teacher of mine who, a patient of mine who teaches kindergartners. She's trying to teach <laughs> in Zoom and she's like, you got this whole classroom and then you got little Johnny in the corner licking the camera. So um, it, anyway, so no patients have done that for the record. But, um, and, and so we've evolved from that to offering 24-7 on-demand video visits or virtual care. It's grayer since this all happened. So you can imagine that for the provider, there was apprehension, anxiety, urgency. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm sure we can use Kubler-Ross at this stage. The five stages of grief, we're probably living through that right now uh, because it has been tough. However, I do want to say that there have been some ex unexpected joys of this for me. Uh, one, we're meeting the patient at their place where and when they desire, uh, regardless of location or socioeconomic status. Yeah. That's, that's huge. huge. And for me, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, uh, I won't get emotional when I say this story, but I have done home visits with my patients, um, uh, very rarely, but I will do them. I don't think there's a greater honor and privilege than to be invited into someone's home, period. So I work with this patient who's lost her husband. I've heard her talk. Uh, this is not someone I did at a home visit, by the way. This was one of my uh, televisits, uh, telemedicine visits. Um, I've heard her talk about her grandchildren. I've heard her talk about her husband who served our country. As I'm doing the video visit, in the background, I see the picture of her mm -hmm. grandchildren. I see the triangular folded flag in the background. I see, um, then she gets the camera and gets up, look at my garden, look how, what do you think? Isn't it look pretty? A huge wave of humility hit me at that mm -hmm. point. It, 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 I felt so privileged. Um, I felt like we, I got to know this patient completely different uh, to the point that I say, you know, we don't take care of patients, you know, and I know I should have figured this out long ago. You know, you do, then you do your job every day. They reminded me we don't take care of just patients. We're taking care of parents, grandparents, a loved one. And 
people who are dealing with things that they may not even tell us about. But just seeing the background of this patient's home made me actually even more excited about telemedicine. I know this sounds, sounds kind of crazy, but then as I teach folks and I'm, I'm training folks in telemedicine, I like to bring that story because it had such an impact on my life uh, and on my practice that I hope it does the same for others. I think that's really powerful. So, so I expected you to, to talk about the, the stress and, and sort of mitigation strategies around that, but I think the idea of finding, finding joy and connection is a mitigation strategy. Um, and so the, as much as it's disruptive to have shifted to this and, and disruptive in the context of something that's already stressful, like the pandemic, um, that finding that humanity and connection is so healing. So thank you for sharing that story. So even before the pandemic, your, your work has been focused on helping clinicians embrace technology in the way that supports their practice, right? Because there's one thing to insert technology in a practice, there's another thing to have it become an integral part of making the practice better. Um, and you also partner with Dr. Dr. Tom Jenicky, who's the chief wellness officer at Novant Health, because burnout while being in technology are often so interconnected. What do you see as the links between technology and burnout and how do you mitigate them? I, I I couldn't agree with that statement more. It is a one to I, I think it's a one to one relation between technology and burnout, which is why um, our organization has been very proactive about that. Um, during a recent class survey, uh, I think we scored about 95th percentile for EHR satisfaction. And while I'd love to take the credit for our four our five member team that did that, of course not. It was an infrastructure. It was a core belief that this is important and that we have to support. Um, there's no question when we go work with providers, and I, I know I have an appointment this afternoon over a burden of documentation, for example. Right. Um, those kinds of things just completely really tip people over the edge. And I would like to add that I also have a privilege of being in the room with, patient, with a provider and their patients. I get to see them paint their canvas, if you will. I see them in their element, their art. And then I also hear of these providers say, I'm at the verge of, of retirement because of all of this. And I'm mm. thinking, oh my gosh, this is why I do what I do because I, we need you. You're right. awesome with your patients. So there's a lot of those links between technology and burnout. One is just simple lack of understanding of the system. Not knowing, not just not knowing how to navigate the system. Um, I'd like to correlate a lot of what we do with the aviation industry, how they train their pilots. There's a lot of buttons in a, in a flight deck. How do you focus yourself so that you're not distracted by other things in an EHR? And what do these buttons do? And all these kinds of things. And how do you navigate the best workflow? Uh, so understanding that is one of the key things that we do. We offer those kinds of trainings from beginning and do uh, 30, 60, 90 day touch points as well as refresher courses. Um, complicated workflows, we try to make it easier. Uh, no one likes the, you know, a, a Medicare annual wellness visit. If you don't do it right and then you get audited, audited is just not a nice thing. Right. So, or being audited, that is. So, how, so we work with our provider build team to make sure that we make the, the system efficient, come up with tools to make go. If you follow this path for the annual wellness visit, you have all your check boxes checked, 
you can focus on your patient and focus on the other concerns they, they may have. Of course, unreliability of the system causes burn. There's nothing worse than you're already behind and the computer freezes. Right. Or you undid something that completely uh, changes your screen and you don't know what, where to find things. Uh, so, of course, we, we have an extensive IT team that helps with that. Um, but on the background, our team created a couple of ways to get at. We call ourselves Dr. Dimensions team. Uh, uh, Dimensions is our version of the EHR. So uh, easy way to IM us through Zoom, which, by the way, has been a really nice thing from this pandemic. Physicians all of a sudden got very used to Zoom. Right. So, um so we created the Zoom channel. So now providers do send us those quick Zoom messages. Hey, man, I lost my place here. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can answer. We can share screens and, and fix things pretty quickly because it's that quick response that I think helps people know that, okay, A, I'm being listened to. B, it's being fixed. Yeah. Because I tell you, nothing is worse and nothing grates at my nerves. And I, I'll probably get fired for saying this than hearing the term, just put in a ticket. <laughs> oh, I hate that. So we try to take that, we, what we try to do is avoid and have that direct, uh, uh, constant, uh, and quick communication with our providers. As a matter of fact, some of our team members have just sat uh, and held the hand of a provider while they're crying over the stress. So our work is not just technology. I think we mm-hmm. also serve as uh, uh, as friends. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but we do serve as the friends of our providers and helping them through difficult times. Um, we try to also be very proactive um, because what we do is we have dashboards that allow us to see pretty much every click somebody does behind the scenes. Uh, and we're able to run reports and always use this for good, never for bad, uh, where we look at these and try to be proactive and reach out to providers who may be either overtly struggling or our silent uh, sufferers that are the ones that will never uh, 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 speak up. Uh, the documentation burden, by the way, is interesting because I think things are working and that uh, government is listening. Uh, and some CMS is changing their guidelines for documentation starting in 2021. So we're, um, I think we just have to keep uh, being proactive to help our providers practice their their trade as best and as undistracted as possible. I think that's fantastic. And if I sum it up, it's like, you know, build the system that is as uncumbersome as possible. Teach people to use it in the best ways possible. Use the data to improve it because it can always improve. And then make sure people truly are both actually supported from a technical perspective, but also supported as human beings and, and emotionally. Um, And I know sometimes with that partnership with Dr. Jenicky, where he has some really deep dive work to help people who are struggling with the technology as a component or not specifically with the technology as a component of broader challenges of, of meaning making and, and connection and those kinds of things. So I love that partnership between the two of you. Um, He'll call us and he'll say, he, he, he's very good about just saying, hey, man, um, uh, the EHR is a piece of the puzzle, but it's an important piece. Can you help? And yeah. we pretty much just drop everything and do what we need to do. That's fantastic. So what advice would you give to clinicians and system leaders now that, you know, we, we sort of went through this massive upsurge where everything was brand new, where now you described a level of 2,000 a day kind of at, an, at a quote unquote new normal that's still likely to evolve 
over time, both as technology evolves and as the pandemic evolves, what advice would you give to clinicians and system leaders as they adapt to this new technology landscape um, or, or tech-mediated care landscape during the pandemic and even beyond? Um, I guess first and foremost, I'll say that this can be fun. I know when you're facing a lot of providers who are stressed, burned out, and you're telling them, hey, this can be fun. Um, I, I've, you may get a, a death threat or two, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I do think that we have to find, just like you mentioned earlier, Liz, you got to find what that connection is and what that joy is. And I do think that at least my experience with that one patient just really changed my entire perspective to this. But I do think that, um, but we do have to think a lot about one training has to be robust. Uh, support has to be robust. Um, you can't just hand somebody something, hey, this is what we expect you to do without a roadmap. Um, like, for example, uh, this afternoon at one o'clock, I'm going to be presenting on Tido Care, which I'll talk about in a moment about the future of healthcare uh, if we have that opportunity. Um, it, it, you, you have to teach the workflow behind it. It's not just technology, it's also how does it work? How does it fit into this puzzle? Um, because, for example, technology could work just fine, but the patient can't connect. Yeah. And then the physician or provider, APC, ends up being the IT technician. Uh, and that's, that's just a waste of your, your, your resources, a waste of your, your talents. But I think also on a broader scope, um, and um, I learned this from a gentleman we met, I met in San Francisco, actually, at one of our meetings, um, the quality of care virtually should never be compromised. It should not be any different than within our four walls. Um, and we, I think that um, we have to make sure that we have the ability, how do I say this? If I feel my patient needs more than just in a televisit encounter, I have to have pathways by which mm -hmm. I can bring them in, yeah. by which I can get their lab work, imaging studies, um, all these things have to be seamless so that I can take good care of the patient. At the end of the day, we're dealing with lives. Yeah. We're dealing with a little different way of seeing a patient, quote unquote, seeing a patient. Uh, so, but we still have to have our tool belt, tool belt full of our usual tools. Yeah. And those have to be seamless. Uh, for example, COVID cases, we don't bring sick people into our rooms. We, we find a way to see them outside. Right. Um, whether it's using the Tido care device and we can do a virtual exam uh, outside. Um, uh, if we need to bring them in for an EKG, for example, we have a way where the sick patients will come through the back and we avoid contact with others. But you have to think about this ahead of time. Right. Uh, because once you're dealing with it right then and there, uh, it's just you have to have that foresight. Because once you're dealing with it right at the moment, that's when the frustration builds. Yeah, And that's where it, 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 things just unravel very quickly and easily. Yeah, no, and that makes a lot of sense in terms of keeping the stress level down for a provider for them to know how things work, to be going into a situation that's not the usual in-person care, but know that whatever arises, there's, there's either a pathway or an easy way to get support for that pathway so that they're not having to carry that burden of uncertainty on top of everything else they're carrying with the patient. I think that's really important. So you've talked about title care a little bit and, and I'm eager to get your thoughts about what's ahead. So as you look ahead, 
what is your vision for the future of healthcare and particularly technology mediated care? I think that um, we have rung a bell that's not gonna be easily unrung. Patients have now seen this convenience. They've seen how easy, wait a minute, I can just do my ADD check from home over video. Wow, why didn't you tell me this before? Right. And then I have to go down that path. Why didn't we do this before? <laughs> um, and then I have to go into the whole insurance thing. Uh, we always like to blame insurance companies. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I don't think we're going to unring this bell. Um, I think even, it, you know what? Even some physicians have loved it. They've loved the ability to be at home and do this type of work. Um, I, think, I, I think people are enjoying People are going to get used to this and it's going to be hard to revert. Um, I think um, even, gosh, even Amazon, uh, even Walmart, uh, even Novant Health, uh, experimenting with the whole uh, drones and delivering goods via drones. I mean, so a lot of our patients who are also consumers, I hate to use that term, but they are consumers of Amazon and all and Grubhub and all these new things that we've discovered. Uh, or taking more advantage of during this pandemic. Um, and this convenience is going to trickle into, uh, into healthcare. And how are we going to do this uh, more conveniently, quickly, and really meeting the patient where they are? Um, I think uh, our senior VP and uh, our, our, our digital health and engagement officer said, uh, going forward, we must, uh, care must be organized around the patient, not the location. And I think that summarizes what the, what the future is going to look like. Uh, um, TitleCare is an enhanced video visit. Um, it's a small device, uh, probably the, it fits on the palm of your hand, the palm of your hand, uh, where I can auscultate somebody's heart and lungs, look into their ears, take a temperature, uh, even perform a skin exam and take a picture, um, uh, and soon to come, pulse ox weight and blood pressure. Uh, but this is a tool that a lot of our patients have access to. Um, and I think this is where we're going to go. I mean, we're going to be able to do a, a more comprehensive physical exam away from our usual four, uh, within our, uh, away from our usual four walls. Um, and right now we're, we're trying to be innovative with this as well. For example, uh, we're thinking about now that we're getting prepared for flu season and, uh, gosh, and everything else that's coming our way with, with COVID included, Having this devices outside where we can see, I can stay in the, in the office, for example, and I can examine the patient outside, or they can be outside holding this device uh, and have clinics like that and title rooms set up uh, so that we can maintain that distance, uh, keep the things, um, uh, we have to always continue to keep things safe for our patients here in the clinic, and how do we use this enhanced technology to uh, better care for our patients. So I think that's where our future is, is ultimately going to go. Um, I think uh, I, I can't underscore enough uh, the importance uh, of, um, of making sure that our quality doesn't slip in the process, that our yeah. connections don't suffer. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, we go into this, we love the patient interaction. We love connecting with our patients. Um, I, I would make sure that we guard against losing that that yeah. human, as, as, as the Latin culture likes to say, uh, el calor humano, that human warmth, that human touch, we can't lose that. That's so important. And I am so grateful that you and your team are there helping to guide uh, a whole generation of clinicians at Novant Health towards 
maintaining that and not and and having the technology be a tool for it as opposed to a barrier to it so thank you so much for your work and thank you for sharing your perspective today well i can't thank you enough for having me this has been a lot of fun great to see you likewise if you enjoyed this episode of the caring greatly podcast please subscribe and rate us on apple google spotify or stitcher for links to resources related to Dr. Alexanian's discussion, visit vocera.com slash podcast and click on his episode. This is Liz Bohm, Executive Strategist for Human-Centered Research at the Experience Innovation Network, part of Vocera. Thank you for caring greatly.